0: Okay, so today we're talking about sloth. We are going through the seven deadly sins. We've noted that it's not a particular list uh, found in scripture. However, there were some some folks, um, early church fathers they're called, who began to study scripture. They looked at it, they studied it, they, they examined, and they kind of noticed these sort of themes that r- recur. And um, from Old Testament to New Testament, these are things that trip us up. And they notice they kind of fall into seven categories. And We've talked about several of them. We talked about lust last week and greed and those sorts of things. And today we've fallen on the um, the seven deadly sins of sloth. Now, sloth, by definition, is a reluctance to work or make an effort. It's also sometimes called laziness. My, my daddy, by the way, today is uh, the anniversary of my dad's death. And, and so it's a special day for me because I think about him a lot on this particular day. And one of the things that my dad gave me was a work ethic. He, he told me... <laughs> How to work, he taught me how to work, he showed me how to work, he worked in front of me so I could see it, and then he had a high expectation of work for me. And it wasn't just so much that you work, it's that you do the best you can do. And so there's a scripture that I like a lot, Uh, this found in Ephesians, I believe. No, Galatians, let's see, where are we? Right here, Colossians, it's one of those, uh, one of those. I was too lazy to look it up, so uh, anyway. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Uh, my dad used to quote this to me a lot because you, you can work to get by and we see it all the time. I mean, you experience it all the time. How many of you have gone into a place and you know intuitively it doesn't take long that those people are just working for a paycheck? You, you know it. And then you know the difference between those folks and the folks who love what they do. And, and this is kind of that text. Whatever you do, work at Work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so when we work, and my daddy taught me this, when we work, we're working not just for our bosses, but we're working as if we're working for God. And it kind of raises the standard of expectation uh, as to a self-expectation. What should we give to our jobs? My dad used to rebuild antique automobiles. We we would do that, and by we I, I mean I would stand there and watch him. Uh, th- Daddy loved that stuff, and and he would rebuild, and we'd make hot rods, hot rods out of these cars, and he would put new engines in these old cars. And we had a, um, a two. Um, let's see, what did we have? A 1932 Chevrolet Victoria five window coupe. Anybody know what that is? Pfft, me either. Anyway, that's what we had. It was awesome. And he found a, a wrecked 240Z, and we put that engine and drivetrain in this really old car. What was fun was when we would be driving, we would go to car shows and that kind of thing, and we'd be driving on Interstate 75 or something, and we'd be going the speed limit, and somebody would pull up to us and, and kind of be admiring the car. It was so much fun to be in the back seat when Dad punched, punched it in and just, you know, left them. It was just because I think people are shocked at that. Well, I remember one time Daddy was under the, under the car. He was working on something. And again, I'm a, I'm a novice mechanic. I don't know much, but I do know a little bit. And, and Dad asked me for a 9 wrench. And I remember distinctively walking over to the tray and just standing there. I just looked at it. The, like all the wrenches. And it took a little while. And Dad eventually said to me, this is kind of important, Dad, Dad, Daddy said, hand me something, I might make it work. I, I mean, let's do something here. Okay. So... The sin of, of sloth, kind of sins kind of fall in two categories. Let's talk about that. There's the sins of commission and the sins of omission. And so commission sins, this is when I do something I know I shouldn't do. That would be I lust, even though I heard about last week I'm not supposed to. Or I'm greedy, even though a couple weeks ago we talked about that. Uh, I, I know I shouldn't do these things. I've been taught better than this but I do them anyway. Those are sins of commission. I committed a sin I knew I shouldn't do. All right. Now, sins of omission, these are just as bad, but we don't talk about them nearly as much. You hear lots of sermons about commission sins. Don't do this. But we don't hear nearly as many sermons about this is what you should do. Sins of Omission That would be like, I, I know I should help, but I don't. I know I should say something, but I don't. I know I should have given there, but I didn't. Sins of omission. Now, the Bible talks about this. Uh, James talks about it a, a couple of times. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, what's the word? Sins. If you know the right thing to do and you choose not to, it is just as bad as doing something you know is wrong. It's really Not a difference. Two categories, all of it's sin. James talks about it again. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? Suppose you have a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, dude, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. We we not only have to know the right things to do, we have to do them. And sometimes we know it and we're planning on doing it, but we just don't get to it. What's that word called? Procrastination, right? I saw a little poem about procrastination. Procrastination is my sin. It only brings me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. I think I'll start tomorrow. That, that's kind of what procrastination does. All right. So, the big idea, and I think that's on your outline, or the big idea is it on your outline? I should have made a slide, but I forgot. Uh, the big idea is God wants us to live out our faith by doing our best. One of the things that should distinguish followers of Christ is that we work as unto the Lord, not unto man. We we work. And we do our best whatever job it is. Um, Here's what happens, at least it happened for me when I was young. I would say things like, if I was in an important job, I would do my best. But since I'm in this kind of not important job, the temptation is to not do your best. And and the Bible doesn't give us an out on whether it's important or not. Whether we consider it to be an important job or not. The Bible tells us to do our best, do our best every time, do our best in big jobs and little jobs, because this is a character issue for us. We are to give our best. Now, let's talk about the causes, because there are reasons why sometimes we procrastinate and are slothful. My, that cut in and out, right? I'm not, like, ready to pass out. Did you all hear that break up? Good, okay, good, 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 not just me. Causes of sloth. Number one, fear fear in proverbs it says fear can be a trap but if you trust the lord you'll be safe so one of the main causes is fear now how many of us have put stuff off we know we need to do just because we're afraid like um, go to the dentist or get a checkup or it could be um, um, creating a budget You, you know you should you know it's going to help you, but you're afraid of what you're going to find out. You know, you're overextended, that sort of thing. Maybe you, you've known for a while, you've heard at this church, oh, I need to be a part of a small group, and you've kind of been putting that off or, or, or inviting somebody um, to come to church. It, it, it can be fear, and fear can just be paralyzing. How many of y'all ever saw the movie Jaws? Anybody ever see Jaws? Oh, even young people. Okay. Um, Jaws is about a, like a rogue shark. It's, um, like, going to eat you up. And I watched Jaws. I, I was young. I, I remember watching. I watched Jaws. I wouldn't even take a shower for about a month. I, I was so afraid. Of, I wasn't just afraid of the ocean. I'm in, I'm in Kentucky. How many, you know how many sharks are in Kentucky? None. Uh, I didn't really have anything to fear, except fear is paralyzing. And that's the whole, with, with us, here's what, here's the difference between Omission and commission. Um, Pride attacks us at our strong points. You you know, you're really good or you're great or whatever. Sloth attacks us at our weak points. Don't do that. You're not good at that. Uh, You you shouldn't attempt that. And sloth sort of wants to eliminate risk in our life as if self-preservation and and self-protection is the ultimate good in our lives. Now, I'm all for protecting yourself. But there are times where you have to take risks. I've got a daughter. She's just about to graduate from college. And she's going to go to China for a year to teach. And people say to me, aren't, aren't, doesn't that make you nervous? <laughs> yes. I, I'm scared out of my mind, you know. I, I'll be, but it'll help me pray. And she'll learn. And she'll be able to influence people. And there's no telling what God will do in that instance in her life. I mean, I guess if we said she couldn't go... She'd go anyway. Because she's 21 years old, you can do what she wants to do. Fear can't, we can't let fear paralyze us from what we could do or should do. And if we have this sense that God wants us to do it, man, you should do it. You should just kind of get out there and do it. Um, Fear often leads to indecision. Uh, This is a cool verse. A double minded man is unstable in all he does. I'm not saying this ever happened to me, but have you have you ever been behind somebody at the drive-thru, at Chick-fil-A, and they're looking at the menu and they can't decide? Anybody? And what, what, your instinct is to just roll down the window and yell at them, order anything, it's all good, right? Or like if you're in the line at L- Long John Silver's, you would yell, order anything, it all tastes the same. Uh, tip it all in the same stuff i mean you know a shrimp uh, it's all the same okay all the same okay so fear often leads us we can't make a decision and we want to make a decision and we can't make a decision another cause of fear this is a good one is perfectionism this is a great verse if you wait for perfect conditions you will never get anything done you can't sometimes you just have to jump in you know you can't always wait for perfect conditions. Now, I can just imagine, there's a brother out there right now, and he's taking notes, and he's going to go to his wife, and he's, t- this afternoon he's going to say, you know, Preacher was talking about this whole, you can't wait for perfect conditions, and I think it's time to buy that 200-inch high-definition television. Because <laughs> if you wait for perfect conditions, like when we have money, uh, Preacher doesn't want that. So I'm not, it's not what I'm saying exactly. I just don't want you to misinterpret that. Um, what I'm saying is God sometimes tugs at our hearts to do something. Uh, he, he instructs us. Let's say you have a neighbor, and you kind of have this sense that you should say something to them. Maybe try to develop a relationship or at least have a conversation, and you keep waiting for the perfect moment to do that. Maybe you make a perfect moment. Uh, make some brownies and hand them to them, you know, go on, knock on the door and and see if if you can engage in a conversation or you know, if they're out doing something and you're about ready to leave but you could maybe make some time. If you wait for perfect conditions then sometimes we just get lost. One more, this is a good one, anger. Sloth is sometimes caused by anger. You're going, how would that work? I'll tell you. A lazy person is as bad as someone who is destructive. If if you don't want to do something that somebody tells you to do, um, that's <laughs> that's being slothful because you're angry. Kids are great at this. How many of us, they get mad at us, you know, they're playing a video game or something, and we'll say, go clean your room. At what pace do they go to clean their room? It's the walk of shame, right? It's like, you get the head down. And... Okay. This is incredibly passive-aggressive. Some Ladies have said to me, I've been on my husband too, and then you fill in the blank. Uh, you know, fix the gutters or mow the yard or whatever. And he, the reason he's not doing that is because it's being, it's, it's slothful because of anger. Ba- basically, it's, I don't like it when you tell me what to do. This, Ladies, this is the reason. Uh, we don't like it when you tell us what to do. So just stop. Uh, that really will fix it all. Fix it for us. Just the solution right there. One last one. Sometimes people are just lazy. And lazy people, it says, are just, sometimes, they end up being poor, lazy, poor. Um, Let me give you some visual examples of people who are lazy at their jobs. Now, I think the first one, these are guys that paint the lines uh, for the roads, Oh no no this <laughs> this is good. Um, now that's funny. Look at these lines. Oh, oh, that's a burger holder. These, this is my favorite though. The line guys. That's pretty good. That's pretty. That's uh. That's South Carolina. As is this. Uh, both South Carolina pictures. We even have products uh, designed to help us with our laziness. Now, the one on the left here that makes your ice cream cone go round and round—you don't even have to turn it. The one on the right—that's a spoon. That's a fork that spins in case you're eating pasta. That's that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty jank right there. This is my favorite. Why work out? You know. Um, I think about this sort of like, have you ever seen one like you squeeze Play-Doh through something? That's kind of what it would look like for me. Anyway, anyway. anyway. We, we have in our society sort of become quite averse to pain, honestly. Um, remember the slogan used to be, no pain, no gain? Now it's no pain, yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of, yay, that's what wants. Can you imagine a book being written, The Ten Difficult Steps to Change Your Life? How how do you think that would sell? Or The Fifteen Hard Ways to Get in Shape? We we want a pill. We want to wear one of these things that's going to make us look like we have a six-pack rather than actually doing anything. We are averse to pain. Now, let's talk about the costs of sloth. Number one, it causes more problems. It says in Scripture, if you're lazy, you'll meet difficulty everywhere. Um, if you've ever run out of gas, <laughs> and, and you may have run out of gas. I, I did it one time in my life, and I'll never forget it because it was such a pain in the neck, I decided I'd never do it again. Except one time, Miriam and I were traveling. I forget where we were living, but we were, we were somewhere out west, and we were traveling, um, prob- maybe from seminary, back to Kentucky to see my, my folks. And for some reason, we were traveling through Illinois on Christmas Day. And it was back when, you know, they didn't have a lot of re- uh, restaurants or or gas stations open, and we got really, really low. And can you imagine breaking down in southern Illinois on Christmas Day how, how much trouble that was going to cause me? And I was so thankful that, that we, we finally found a gas station that was open. The deal is, if, if you procrastinate, if you are slothful about things, oftentimes it ends up causing more problems than it solves. Now, the reason we procrastinate, we, we'll say things like, um, basically there are two statements that we're saying when we procrastinate, when we're slothful. We're, we're saying, um, it's easier to avoid this than to face it, which is rarely true. Or, if we put this off, it'll be easier to handle later. Also rarely true. Now, are there occasions, can you come up with an exception? To that yeah, yeah, you can, but, but not often. So number one, It causes more problems. Number two, you lose opportunities. It's a cool verse in Proverbs. If you won't plow in the cold, you won't eat at harvest. Sometimes you have to do the difficult things. When opportunity knocks, you open the door. One of my favorite poets, and it might surprise you that I have some, but I do, uh, Willie Shakespeare, I like him a lot. Uh, Dickens, Frost, Dr. Seuss, my favorite. There's a guy named John Greenleaf Whittier. You ever heard of him? (laughs) I didn't think so. Oh, one okay good all right he wrote for of all sad words of tongue or pen the saddest are these it might have been that's a that's i'm very sophisticated and uh that that's that's a cool verse it's a cool poet cool cool line um we lose opportunities number one number three it hurts people it hurts people now you might say well how does me being lazy how does me being slothful hurt people if you're going to have a great relationship, it takes effort. It's just, it's just how it works. How many men, men how many of you have watched, and I know you don't want to, but you've watched one of those chick flicks, and the guy like you know brings flowers and stu- stupid stuff, you know uh, brings flowers to his woman and, and and she's getting all misty like she wants that. You know how much trouble it is to go get flowers? it's a lot of trouble. And and then um, they don't watch TV at night. They talk. How stupid, you know? It's just stupid. And, they, and your and your woman, you know, she's got like I want to drink tea. Who drinks tea, you know? And anyway, it takes efforts. Those guys are doing efforting things in order to develop their relationship. And it takes stuff that we normally don't do, like go to a chick flick. We do that, not because we want to. There, very few of us men have ever woken up and said, oh, I want to go see the notebook. No, we don't want to see it. We go because that's it's work. It's, it takes effort. It takes effort. And even like parenting. We... When we when we are slothful in parenting, it hurts our kids, because, you know, I told you a minute ago about the whole anger thing, and they, they and sometimes we are so tired we don't want to ride them to make them do it. So what do we say? I'll do it, yourself. I'll do it for you, because it's just easier to do it yourself. This is, it's a pain in the neck to get them to do things, and and it takes effort to make sure. Your kids do what you need them to do, what they need to do. All right, so we, we've talked about causes and we've talked about costs. Now let's talk about the cure. What do we do to cure sloth in our life? I'm, I'm glad there are solutions. Number one, stop making excuses. What a, <laughs> this is such a cool verse. The lazy man is full of excuses. Have you ever noticed that when somebody else doesn't want to do something, we, we kind of call that they're making an excuse, but when we don't want to do it, we call it reasons. It's sort of funny how we can kind of let ourselves off the hook. I found some excuses that were um, given to insurance companies. Uh, these are really, uh, these are clever. Uh, as I pulled, this is like to explain why they had an accident. As I pulled away from the side of the road, I glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. I had been driving my car for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. Well, sure, you're tired. <laughs> the telephone pole was approaching fast. I attempted to swerve uh, off its path, but it struck my front end. So it's the telephone pole's fault. Oh, my favorite. The, predest- the pedestrian had an idea, had no idea which way to go, so I ran over him. Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree I don't have. So that's that's a good excuse. Now this one's a little, I, I, I debated on, it's a little sketchy, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I was on my way home to, I'm sorry, I was on my way to the doctor's with rear-end trouble when my universal joint gave way, causing me to have an accident. That's, that's, that could be TMI right there. Anyway, <laughs> one, of the, one of the most common excuses we give is, we'll say this, one of these days, one of these days, and then you fill in the blank, whatever you, you want to do, one of these days I'm going to get in shape, or one of these days I'm gonna, we're going to go on that date night, or one of these days, I mean, you fill in the blank. One of these days, and, and Benjamin Franklin once said, people who are good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. That's a pretty strong quote. We have to stop making excuses. When things settle down, one of these days, you've got to make it happen. So number one, stop making excuses. Number two, start now. Start now. You make a plan, and you you work the plan today. I mean, start now. This is incredibly important. Um, You don't have time to do it, so you make time to do it. We were talking to somebody this week, and and, um, he said, well, when I take something else up, my wife makes me, when I put on a new hat, I have to take off an old hat. I I don't add things. Sometimes I have to just adjust things. This is good logic. So I want you to do something for me. Write down one thing. and I want you to think about it and pray about it. So as you're driving home or maybe during the offering time, just think of one thing you know God wants you to do, whether it's with your family or with your health or your personal life or with your career. You know God has been whispering this in your heart. You should do this. You should start this. you gotta, you got to make this happen. And just, just write it down. And, and I want you to begin that like today. Start with it today. I'll give you an example. Maybe, maybe the Lord has been saying you need to get in better shape. All right, You need to uh, get your health in shape. So, at lunch, you don't take the second helping of pie. You only have one. (laughs) So let's not be fanatics. Uh, But uh, let's start somewhere, right? Or do five push-ups. I mean, five push-ups is better than no push-ups, right? And and do ten sit-ups or or nine or something. Start someplace. The point is, you have to start somewhere. NASA does talks about how you get a rocket into space. And they they note that getting it off the launching pad is is by far the most energy expendable, uh, expensive thing. It takes a ton of energy to get the rocket off the, 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 the launch pad. Once it gets into orbit, it's easy. You know, kind of, you kind of maneuver it with very little energy. It takes a lot of inertia to get started. So, we have to just... Get started. Another one. Face your fears. You just have to face them. If we keep saying, I can't do this or I'm scared of this, the reason fear uh, paralyzes us is for two reasons. We're afraid of failure and we're going to be embarrassed. Or we're afraid of success and then we're going to have to like replicate it. If I think it's something, well then I look bad in front of my peers. If I'm good at it, now I have to repeat it. And both things are kind of, kind of crippling. Now, one of the best ways to do this is to focus on the gain, not just the pain. But really, honestly, whoever came up with the no pain, no gain, it, it's kind of how life works. No pain, no gain is kind of how life works. UC Berkeley did some research. They wanted to create uh, an environment for an amoeba where they would have no stress. Whatever gives amoebas um, amoeba is it what's the plural of amoeba amoebas let's go with that uh, whatever gives a, a, amoebas high blood pressure or ulcers they they made sure that none of that was in their environment, so it was the perfect temperature, uh, the perfect um, uh, amount of fluid, the perfect amount of food it was the ideal this was like p- amoeba paradise right and, and you would think this amoeba would just thrive yet it it didn't last a week and and this is the study this is a cool statement apparently there is something about all living creatures even amoebas that demand challenge that demands challenge so you look at the reward let me end with a verse let us not become weary in doing good and it's sometimes it's tough Sometimes you have to kind of push through. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, the time God determines, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I mean, this is applicable in so many ways. It could be in relationships. You, know, you keep working. It could be at work. You, you keep doing your best. Even when nobody's looking. Even when somebody else is taking the credit. You do your best. Because ultimately, I don't have to answer to anyone but God. Someday, when I die, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an accounting of how I did. Not if somebody stole my stuff, not if somebody else took the credit. I'm going to stand before God on what I did. And the the text was clear. Do your best as working for the Lord, not for people. You do your best. You do your best. You give your best in school. You do your best work. You just do your best when you volunteer, because this is God's expectation for us. We do our best. In just a second, we're going to take up an offering, and I want to remind you, after the services are over with, uh, when we take up the offering, and when we play the final song, and when we say the final amen, Mark is going to come up and close our service in just a few minutes. I'm going to stand right over there, and I'll be happy to pray with you or chat with you about anything. Ben hangs out over here, and he's happy to pray with you or chat with you about anything. And we'll stay all day if we have to, if we need to, if you want us to. We, we are happy to do that. So I just want to make sure you understand that. Right now, we're going to take up an offering. And let me remind you. And if you, my, my band guys want to come up, that'd be great. The, the offering is about, and it's an act of worship. And if you're a guest, please, this isn't for you. I mean, you can give if you want to, but it's certainly not an expectation that we have. We do this as followers of Jesus because... It's an act of trust, it's an act of obedience, it's an act of thanksgiving. We're saying to God, thank you, we trust you, and because you've asked us to do this, we're going to do it. So we're going to pray for our offering, and then my ushers are, you can come forward, ushers, if you want to. My ushers are going to ush, I'm going to pray, we're going to ush, and then we're going to sing uh, this last song. Lord, thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for what you're teaching us and how you're growing us. And help us to be um, people who work and do our best in all things. We pray it in Jesus' name.